You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Just a reminder, folks, this is a On This Day in History episode. This specific episode is from two years ago today, and I'm largely talking about what we should be doing in free agency. Signing our guys compared to signing new guys. And and the reason I actually find it really interesting is you don't remember what the talk was about back then. Who were the guys we were supposed to be signing? Who were the guys we were talking about possibly losing? And who were the big name free agents? Well, you're going to find out. And you're going to hear my good and terrible takes. By the way, Malcolm Butler nailed it. Wasn't that good after all. Not worth the money. But anyways, uh, I hope you enjoy it. Otherwise, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I got a lot that I want to, it's not really a lot, it's like three things, but it's going to take me forever to get through this. So, I want to talk about free agency. You know, there's really only two things I do on this podcast. One is try to come up with creative stuff that other people aren't talking about, which is part of what I'm going to do with the draft stuff. The other is to react to things that everybody else is saying that I think is just incorrect. And it's funny because in this process, talking about free agency, I'm becoming Ted Thompson. Because I'm hearing all the fans going, oh, we need this guy, we should get this guy, we should draft that guy. And I'm like, man, Ted Thompson was right. <laughs> we, we as fans don't know anything. So directly, and we'll just start there, I wasn't planning on it, but since I'm already in rant mode, we'll just go down. So you've probably seen it. Um, Gil Brandt came out with his top 10 defensive backs to pursue in free agency. And Packers fans are jumping all over it like, yeah, we should get all of them because <laughs> we again i said this last time we we don't want to spend any money on our guys morgan burnett at 10 million get him out he's a bum jordy and cobb 10 million Ugh, get him out i hate him but you know i'll drop 10 million on malcolm butler all day oh i don't care that's yeah we need him absolutely come on guys that's silly we need to retain our guys if we have guys with talent morgan burnett. i'm not going down the morgan burnett train but i've, I've spoken my piece on that plenty um, it's, it's just a little silly, the way that things get handled. But let, let's go through the list. So the top of the list, we got Minka Fitzpatrick. He's likely gone. I mentioned in a previous podcast how if the Packers do trade up with the Bears, who potentially are looking to trade back to get a good value for a wide receiver, that would put the Packers at 8. If there are, again, these are pretty specific scenarios, but if there are four quarterbacks taken, inside the top eight that guarantees the Packers get an elite prospect and that's elite is more or less my terminology but if there are four quarterbacks taken at eight I believe there will be an elite prospect available we're talking Saquon Barkley, Minka Fitzpatrick, Quentin Nelson and I don't remember who but um, 
it, it, it guarantees that the Packers, and it, that's the one scenario in which I could see Minka Fitzpatrick falling. It's very specific, and it's very unlikely that he falls, and it's also very unlikely that the Packers could or would move up to get him just based on how frugal they are, not wanting to give up a ton of picks uh, to get a guy like Minka. There would also be a ton of competition if Minka did fall. There's a lot of other teams, and the Packers probably aren't going to bid the highest. That's just not their style, and I think that's good. A lot of teams are basically like fans. They'll give up everything to go get somebody, and it's just its silly. It's dumb. You need to have a little little perspective here. Number two, I've already mentioned a little bit, Malcolm Butler. I don't want him. I just don't want him. He was an undrafted free agent. Here, here's essentially where I'm coming from with this. He's an undrafted free agent for a reason. It's not just that everybody missed it and he's elite. And bump. No, he has deficiencies. There's zero question about that. He went undrafted because he has deficiencies. Guys in the first round, essentially, as far as their tools, don't have deficiencies. Now, can they play? Can they, you know, th- their production match their skills, right? We're just talking speed and jumping and all these things. They do all these things at an elite level. So Malcolm Butler was able to overcome his deficiencies, but the the red flag of all red flags is the fact that on the biggest stage, in the biggest game, for the one reason that every team plays this game to win the Super Bowl, the Patriots, who know him intimately, said, you know what, you're not going to start on this team. And they don't have very, they have like one good corner on this whole team, and Malcolm Butler is not one of them. Malcolm Butler is average. He had one good year last year, whoop-de-doo, and he had one good play in the Super Bowl. I don't know exactly how he ranked, but his one good year last year, if it was compared to this year, he would be ranked like 12th. So we're not even talking elite. We're not talking top 10 guy. We're talking a guy that had one really pretty solid year. And he regressed to the point that the, that this team in the biggest on the biggest stage without very elite corners decided Malcolm Butler wasn't good enough to even start. That should absolutely scare the living daylights out of you. That means that those deficiencies that scared them from the start are evident to them and are on full display to the point that they feel that he is he is fully exploited. Teams know how to pick on his deficiencies and he wasn't willing to risk that. He, they, whatever. Um, Be- Belichick wasn't willing to risk that in the Super Bowl. I don't want him. Especially when we're talking about however many millions or 10 million or whatever it is it's going to be for him. That's stupid, man. That's stupid money. That's just silly. He's never been that good. He's pretty good. I mean, if you, if you can get him for mediocre money, sure. Does he have the talent to come in and be better than some of the other corners we have? Yeah. But so what? A lot of people do. We don't have good corners. We don't need to pay an exorbitant amount of money to go out and get a guy that's average, that may be in serious risk of being a terrible football player, if I'm reading between the lines correctly. I don't want him. Next on the list, Derwin James, uh, safety in the draft. He is uh, definitely an option at 14. I think he's vastly underrated, and it's scaring me that people are starting to see it. Not that fans necessarily dictate things, but it just kind of scares me when you see that because it means a lot of times people are hearing things and, you know, that's just cart before the horse. Maybe it's the team saying it and then other people trying to get out in front of it like, oh, I kind of think Derwin is amazing. They had no idea. They just know the teams are starting to say this, so they want to get out in front of it and act like they're genius. Anyways, 
Derwin James is very, very good. I don't think he should make it to 14, and if he does, I couldn't care less what the Packers decide to do at safety. He is that elite-level potential prospect that you pull the trigger on. You don't go get a position of need that's kind of a maybe, like Marcus Davenport. I'm so sick of hearing about Marcus Davenport. The guy is a project. Who in their right mind takes a project in the top 10 or top 15? A guy that has shown nothing. I don't want to sit here and talk about Davenport all day. I just don't. I want somebody to explain that to me. Well, he's 6'6", he has long arms. And he played for a garbage school. He did okay. So what? Well, he has elite measurables. No, he better. If he doesn't just absolutely light it up at the combine and somebody takes him in the top 15, I will root against that team for the rest of my life. Hopefully not the Packers, though. That's stupid. Anyways, Derwin is that next-level guy. Derwin has the potential to be that next-level guy. I absolutely would be fine with them taking Derwin James, even if we keep uh, Morgan Burnett and Josh Jones and HaHa Clinton Dix, and no, I don't know where he's going to go, and no, I don't care. Derwin James is just, you just take that elite-level talent when it's available. You don't say, eh, I'll skip on the elite guy, go with the next level, pretty good guy, because it fits a position of need. You just don't do that. That's dumb. Well, I'll take Josh Jackson. He's nowhere near as good as Derwin James, but we could use a corner a little more. If you're going to do that, trade the spot away to somebody that wants Derwin. Get something out of it. Don't just dump value. Don't just, just don't do that. That's like if you have a Ferrari and you realize it's not practical and you, you have a family, so you need to get something, so you want to get like a Honda Odyssey, and you're like, you know what, I'll just trade somebody for an Odyssey. No, dummy. Don't do that. Recoup some of the value. Sell it. Then use some of that to buy the Odyssey, and then you have more money in your hand to buy more stuff. Don't just trade it. Don't just take the Odyssey and give up the Ferrari. Let somebody else take the Ferrari just for the heck of it. That's stupidity, and that's exactly what you're doing if you say, I'm going to skip on elite talent and go get a next-level guy, guy that's on the next tier, who's pretty good. That's stupid. Either trade the spot or take the elite prospect or get out of football. Next on the list is Kyle Fuller, the uh, Chicago Bear. Um, Vic Fangio has done phenomenal things with the Bears. Not that everybody over there is elite necessarily, but you can click on just about any single player on there if you're using Pro Football Focus. Every single one of them has gotten markedly better every single year. Every single player over there, with the exception of Lamar Houston, who's just on a deep slide off into Never Never Land, and his career is basically done. Anyone that wants to pick him up is just not smart. But outside of him, you click on just about anybody, and it just looks like steps. They were not good, and then they were average, and then they were very good. And that's everybody on this defense. And Vic Fangio has done that with every single person on this defense. Linemen, corners, safeties, linebackers, everyone has done a lot better. And this is their, this is the opposite of um, Butler. This is a first-round pick with all the intangibles and everything that you could ever want that just didn't live up to it. And Vic Fangio has built and created a great football player. I would take Kyle Fuller over Malcolm Butler any day of the week. If we're talking same amount of money, and you want to take Malcolm Butler over Kyle Fuller, I think you're... Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're 
in the same league as Gil Brandt, apparently, so I can't be too hard on you because he's a pretty smart guy. But I just think that's foolish. I would say that that's silly. He has an injury history. I don't care. Everybody has the potential to be injured in the NFL. If I'm going to spend money on a football player, I'm going to take Kyle Fuller because he's a better football player. But I think the Bears are bringing him back. I think it would be ridiculous, and I think Vic Fangio would throw an absolute fit if you work this hard on a, you know, the Bears as a whole have been working hard on on Kendall Fuller, uh, Kyle, Kyle Fuller for a long time, and Vic Fangio has pulled this talent out of him. He has molded a machine over there. If they let him walk, that's foolish. Now, they declined his fifth-year option. That doesn't mean he's going to walk. The problem with the fifth-year option is that it fully guarantees the contract, including injury. Because in 2016 he was injured the entire year, they decided we're going to be safe and not accept his fifth-year option. He ends up tearing it up in 2017, which might hurt them on the back end, meaning they have to pay him maybe a little more money but it was worth not taking that risk to them. I think they're going to let him touch and test free agency, and they're going to bring him back and sign him, would be my assumption. They are going to retain him because he is a cornerstone of that defense and will be for some time to come. And te- and that's that's kind of the big thing about when I go through this list. That's the Teams are not going to let elite-level players walk. They will not let it happen. If you think you're going to steal some elite-level talent player, there, there's some reason that team's going to let him go. Occasionally, maybe there's just too much money in a player. That does happen occasionally, but then you're talking about spending sickening amounts of money. Just stupid money for players. Because that's the whole reason they can't let them go, because I can't afford it. And if they can't, you probably shouldn't. Even if you have the cap space, you're just making a poor financial decision. Kyle Fuller is a great investment, and it's why the Bears will likely invest in him. If for some reason they don't, I would be all for it. Depending on the cost, he would be a good addition, I believe. I think with good coaching, which I believe Mike Pettin is a very good defensive coach, I think he's going to do good things with our current corners, but I think a guy like Kyle Fuller, who is uh, very teachable, very coachable, who is a first-round first talent, is, is a great piece for any team. But again, I don't think he's leaving the Bears. Patrick Robinson, to me, is silly. Um, the only thing I like about him is that he had a great year and that he's a slot corner, which is an area, you know, Kevin King can't play slot. Demarius Randall, I don't think, you know, at, at one point we tried to put him at slot and it just wasn't working. Um, Rollins was, was I assumed, was going to be a pretty good slot corner for us, and that just blew up in my face. I was talking him up all off season, and I sounded like an idiot because he was terrible. But outside of that, I, I just think it's a horrible decision to want to take uh, Patrick Robinson. Basically, everybody on the Eagles was a freak this last year. If you remember, uh, not too long ago, they won the Super Bowl. Everybody on that defense was a freak, but if you look at Patrick Robinson over the course of his career, he's been a terrible football player. He has not been a good corner. And then on the one year where the Eagles have these freakish players, they have a great defensive line, so nobody can run, so you make them one-dimensional, so you can go after the quarterback, get tons of sacks. These guys are having a hard time getting the ball out. He happens to have a pretty good year, a very good year. But if you don't look at the full body of work and realize that this is problematic and we probably shouldn't take this guy, that's silly. I don't even care what the cost is. I just don't want him. I don't trust in in that one miraculous good year. I expect regression, even with the Eagles. And I think the Eagles are his best bet. Whatever system they were able to build around him, that's what worked for him. He would be silly to go somewhere, in my opinion. Maybe not. Maybe he realizes that 
you know, I got one shot at making a, a big contract here. I'm going to take advantage of this one good year. And you want a Super Bowl, so maybe you can cash in on that. I think teams would be foolish to spend a bunch of money on him. I really do. It was one year on a team of freaks where everybody went from mediocre to elite. Why in the world do you expect you can pull him from the environment, from that locker room, from that coach, and from that system, and assume that he's just going to continue to play at a high level in your system with your coach and your locker room and your defensive line and your edge rushers and your corners and safeties? You should not expect that at all. Because we've seen what happens when he has a different system with different coaches. He's a pretty terrible football player. Don't touch him. At six, at six, he's got uh, Denzel Ward. Uh, Denzel Ward and Josh Jackson, I'll just do them as a pair. I'm slowly coming around to it, but I'm, it just scares me. See, last year, Marshawn Lattimore was a freak. Everybody knew in April. They knew in, uh, well, they knew January, February, March, and April. They knew in December. We knew in November that this guy was a freak. Denzel Ward, like a month ago, was a second-round draft pick. And we still don't know. Some people say he's a top-ten guy. Some people say he's an end-of-the-first guy. Some people say Josh Jackson's better. Some people say Mike Hughes is better. There's so much volatility. Why do we not know? At the end of last year's draft, I went and looked at some of the prospects. The elite guys like Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley was always the top running back. There was never any question. He was elite. He was elite then. He was elite at the start of the college football season. He was elite during the football season, at the end of the season, in January and in February. He's always been a top guy. He always will be because he's elite and everybody can see it. That's obviously not the case with Josh Jackson and Denzel Ward. Nobody even knows. Some people are saying, ah, I just don't like him. I wouldn't take him in the first. I think Josh Jackson's better. Some people say, I think uh, Denzel Ward is a freak. He should be a t-. I don't like that. Again, not coming from a scout, so I can't look at him and say, for my professional opinion, I believe anything. I'm just saying it's not instilling a lot of confidence in me that at 14 we're getting an elite prospect in Denzel Ward when there is zero consensus. We don't even know if for sure he's a first-round draft pick. There was no question about Marshawn Lattimore. There was no question about Marlon Humphrey. None. Why is there so much volatility with these guys? I just, it's, I'm coming around to it. Because when I watch him, I do see good football players. Denzel Ward came out of the exact same school as Marshawn Lattimore, so you can kind of compare, right? How much better was he? Could he do similar things? When when Marshawn Lattimore left, did Denzel Ward step in and continue that tradition, continue that style of play? I think it's it makes it easier to kind of gauge what he can do in the NFL. But it still makes me very, very nervous. So, again, at 14... There are certain players that are can't-miss players that I would like the Packers to swing on before they start looking at guys like Denzel Ward for this reason. There's no question in anyone's mind Derwin James is a freak. Lot, not one person is calling Derwin James a second-round prospect. Not one. I've never heard a team. I've never heard a scout. I've never heard uh, any of these online guys. I've never heard anybody anywhere ever say Derwin James is a second-round guy or even anybody say he's out of the top 15 necessarily. I've seen him mocked maybe slightly. I mean, the Packers are pretty much the cutoff for Derwin. Nobody sees him going past 14. You don't see that with Denzel Ward, though. He was getting mocked at the end of the first consistently, early second for a while. Same with Josh Jackson. I just don't feel that comfort level that we know for sure he's an instant starter. It makes me nervous. And considering how many 
bad decisions the Packers have made at corner. I just don't want to go that route. Take the sure thing at 14. Even if you have to move up, you have a very rare opportunity to get these rare elite players. Get one, and then we'll start looking second round and later at stacking players. We have a lot of picks, and that's what I was hoping to get to, but we're very, very short on time here. Um, But kind of looking at the later rounds, we've got four additional compensatory picks on top of the six other rounds that we have to pick from. Just get the elite player in round one, and then we'll start worrying about other stuff. Don't reach on a guy like Denzel Ward, and I do tend to think it's a reach. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. The Packers have their own assessment. If they take him, I'll be confident in the fact that they believe he is one of those next-level players that is a great value at 14, and I will rest in that and be excited in that. But at this point, I just don't see it, and I, I'm not a huge—I'm coming around. Not a huge fan of it, though. I don't like the volatility. There should be much more certainty about a player that's valued at eighth overall on my current big board, which I'll talk about a little later. The biggest annoyance I have, which it used to be Malcolm Butler, now it's Tremaine Johnson. Uh, Everybody wants to talk about him ever since everybody realized that the Marcus Peters trade means that Tremaine Johnson is going to hit the open market. Every single Packers fan said, we should be all over this. Why? Why? Is he good? How do you know he's good? Show show me and tell me how you how you know this guy's any good. As best as I can tell, he's the third best corner out of three. Three starters. He's the third best. He he's I mean, he's okay. He's been pretty consistent. He had two terrible years, 2013, 2014. 2017 wasn't great. 2012, 2015, 2016, pretty good. Nowhere near elite. He's well outside of the top fifty uh this past year. So what exactly is it that you like in him? And here's the biggest thing. If he's so good, and there'll be, I'll, I'll skip ahead to their safety in a little bit, who's maybe next-ish on this list. But if he's so good, why are they letting, not only letting him go, they're pushing him out. They're giving up draft picks to go get a guy that is a locker room cancer just so they can push Tremaine Johnson out. Teams do not do that to their cornerstone elite players. They do not do that. You want proof? Fine. Let's skip ahead on this list a little bit. Where is my list? Ay ay ay. Um LaMarcus Joyner is their safety. LaMarcus Joyner is a freak. This guy, you want to talk about go look at his pro football focus. In 2014, horrible. 2015, bad. 2016, average. 2017, Third best safety in all of football. This guy has gotten better every single year. He is a freak athlete. This is the kind of guy I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, you know what? And everything about him, he he fits the Morgan Burnett mold. I'm thinking, man, oh, man, if we're going to get rid of Morgan Burnett, this would be the kind of guy that would do it, right? Big, strong guy, a good safety, a, a good against the run. He can play inside linebacker. He can play slot. That's Morgan Burnett, right? Here's the thing. The Rams aren't going to let him go. The rumor out there right now is that they're going to franchise tag him to the cost of about $16 million. That's stupid money. But you know what? Teams don't let elite talent leave. The Cowboys are not letting Demarcus Lawrence leave. The Rams are not letting LaMarcus Joyner leave. The Rams are forcing Tremaine Johnson out. They made a horrible trade for a locker room cancer to push Tremaine Johnson out, and every Packer fan out there saying, we need to go get him. Why? 
He's so great, we have to have him. The Rams are actively pushing him off the team, saying, get out. We don't want you here at all. He's not that good. But, man, we hear corner, we hear Rams, and we know the Rams have a good defense usually. And, geez, Louise, we got to get this guy, guys. Why? Why do we need him? The Rams are never going to let Joyner go. They're never going to let Goff go. They're never going to let Gurley go. They're never going to let Aaron Donald go. They're actively pushing this corner out. We don't need him. Do not need him. EJ Gaines, um, he's a very good corner, but the thing with, with Buffalo in general, every single person on that team got so much better. The Whoever the defensive back coach is over there, sorry for all the clicking, but this thing's not working, so I have to do a lot more work to try to do basic things. Look at Micah Hyde. Micah, you know, everyone's saying, oh, we should have kept him, we should have kept him, we should have kept him. He was average every single year we had him. I liked him a lot. I never thought he got the respect he deserved. He was average. He went to Buffalo, and they made him elite. EJ Gaines had an incredible year, but it was his first year that was even kind of good. And last year, he had to have been one of the worst in the NFL. I mean, he basically had a grade of zero. It was terrible. It was it was a grade that Demarius Randall would have looked at it and laughed because it was so bad. Tredavious White comes in as a rookie and is the second best corner in all of football. This is the kind of situation where you have to realize maybe there's something about the system. Maybe there's something about this coach. Maybe it's the defensive coordinator or the defensive backs coach or whatever it is. You can't assume when people go there and become elite, there's every reason to believe if you take them out, they go, they regress. There it is, folks. There is your mid-podcast jam to my alarm clock. Um, but, he, yeah, if, if you put a guy in and he becomes great and you take him out, why do you assume he retains that greatness? I, I, I don't know if they're going to let EJ Gaines go. Probably not. He's a great fit for their system. He's doing wonderful things. They traded to get him, and it worked out beautifully. I'm assuming they're going to retain him. But just, just from a standpoint of, let's say he hits the open market, Why? He was good because of the system they put him in, because of the coaches that, that were able to coach him up. They knew what to do with him, and they made him into that player. Right? It, it's a combination between, I mean, it, props to them to go out and trade. for. I mean, they gave up Sammy Watkins to get a guy that was terrible. This is what good teams do. They find somebody that's a great fit for their team, and they bring him in, and they make him great. Because they say he has the skill set that we need for our scheme, for our system, and we think with our coaches we can make him great. Same thing with Micah Hyde. We think he'd be a great fit. And look what they did. Tredavious White, he was a second round, uh, late first actually. I keep calling him a second round guy because he was always projected to be second, but I think he was late first. But bottom line is, they said he's going to be a good fit. I didn't get the Tredavious White thing. I didn't really see it. I had like three or four guys that I loved at corner. He was not one of them. And Kevin King wasn't either, for that matter. But doesn't matter. Bottom line is these guys did a very good job of identifying certain players that are going to fit their system. They have amazing coaches that made them really, really, really good. You cannot assume he had a great year. We'll just put him on our team, and then we'll be great. That is such a simplistic way of thinking. we got to get out of that mindset. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. This guy was a terrible football player for two years. Last year was his second year, and it was just the he had to be one of the worst in all of football. Why do you think he's going to be elite just because you bring him over to Green Bay? And I haven't heard anybody mention EJ Gaines' name. I'm not 
saying anything in particular, but I'm just trying to give you my train of thought on this. I have no reason to believe he's going to be elite. So as much as, you know, I, like everybody else, gets excited, like, oh, man, we're going to do more in free agency. It's going to be so much fun. You look at it and you go, I don't want anybody on this list. And Josh Jackson's 10 out of 10, right? Minka's going to be gone. Malcolm Butler, I don't want him. Derwin James would be great, but he's a safety. So I don't know if he's going to help all that much. Kyle Fuller is very good, and the Bears are going to retain him because he's very good. Patrick Robinson, not very good. He had one good year. Denzel Ward, yeah, maybe. Tremaine Johnson, um, the Rams are pushing him out. So an average guy that the Rams are actively pushing out, and they're giving up a lot just to offload this guy, not a good sign. E.J. Gaines, terrible football player who was made great by the Buffalo Bills, and there's no reason to assume that he's going to be able to retain that somewhere else. LaMarcus Joyner is a freak, and he will be paid accordingly. The Packers are not and should not be entertaining that. If you don't like Morgan Burnett at 10, you shouldn't like LaMarcus Joyner at 15. And Josh Jackson is Josh Jackson. He's the other draft pick that's potential here. I, I can't imagine if we're assuming Denzel Ward is better and Denzel Ward does go at, you know, 12, 13, whatever, that we want to take Josh Jackson, but whatever. I don't know. Draft picks are the only ones that I kind of like. I just am not a huge fan of the cornerbacks in the first round. There's a ton of corners in the later rounds, and I, I don't know. I'm trying to decide if I should even touch on it. Maybe I'll just save it for tomorrow because we are pushing 30. So I could add to it and make it a 45-minute podcast, but I think I'll just... Um, I think I'll just cut it here. This will be my first probably ever getting it under a half hour. But those are my thoughts on the uh, free agent. And it, it's it's in general, this is probably true of most situations. You have guys that are overblown that are not that good, that teams are letting go for a reason. We need to figure out what that reason is and realize that whatever the reason is, that problem is going to carry over to us. There are other guys that are great because of the system that they're in. And we, we can actively see that. On other teams, he was not good. On other years, he was not good. But in this one situation, with this one team, this one year, he was good. That's a red flag. When teams push a guy out, that's a red flag. The guys that do make it to the open market, that are worth bringing on to your team, the only reason that usually happens is because they cost too much and a team just can't afford it. And that means you're going to have to bust the bank and overpay for a guy, and that's problematic. This is the problem with free agency in general. Unless you're smart and you can identify talent that maybe isn't as good, but you think would be a great fit for your system. I don't think the Packers have done all that good. I mean, they've done a decent job getting high-flying guys, right? Um, There was never really any question Reggie White was a very good football player, but they got him, and it was great. I'm, I'm talking about... EJ Gaines stuff, trading away a uh, top flight wide receiver to a team, getting a guy who had a terrible year and turning him into an elite wide or a cornerback. That's incredible. And that's, that's how you masterfully take apart free agency. But this fantasy land that a lot of fans live in where this guy just happens to leave and he's elite and the team just let him go because who knows, maybe they just are stupid, but I'm smart. And there's 31 other teams, uh, you know, 30, not including the team that he left and the Packers. So there's 30 teams competing, but I still think the Packers are going to be top of the list and we should just go get them. Somehow, I don't know, in my mind, that just makes sense. We're just going to grab them and no other teams are going to compete for them. It, this is a fantasy world. 
This is not how it works. This is the reason the Packers don't usually end up with a lot of guys. Again, I'm becoming Ted Thompson as I'm looking at this more and more. They're just There's no reason great players are just sitting there for the taking. And when there are, there's no reason the Packers are just going to be like, yeah, we'll take them. We'll just raise our hand. Everyone's like, oh, interesting move. Oh, that was nice. That's not how it works. Never. So I'm starting to understand why it's so hard. And we'll see. You know, if, if Gutekunst does pay top dollar for a couple guys, we'll see how it goes. It's entirely possible you pay a ton of money and it doesn't work out. It happens all the time. And then you're in trouble with your own finances. How do you pay your own guys if you're paying too much for guys that aren't any good? So that causes a problem. It's a high-risk proposition. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. This is what fans have been chiming for. We'll see if Gutekunst goes that route, the fan route of paying a bunch of money for these guys. And uh, if he does, you know, it, it worked for Philadelphia. They kept picking up guys, picking up guys, picking up guys all through the season. And they, they got the, the they filled in the pieces that they need. And um, they ended up winning a Super Bowl, even without their freakishly good quarterback. So it can be done. But I just wanted to illustrate a little bit that it's it's harder than it looks. It's not as simple as saying, oh, Tremaine Johnson, we got to get him. Right, I saw somebody's available on Twitter, and I just retweeted it and said, Gotta get him. Are you even going to look into it a little bit? Or did you just see cornerback, free agent, available, and then tweeted, Gotta get him. We should make a call. Packers need this guy. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you, just, you just don't. I understand the excitement, and this is what it's all about. Football's about being excited. But come on, man. Why don't you just form an opinion? before you say your opinion. It just it makes sense to me. Go learn about the guy. I don't know. Whatever. That's it. We I did end up uh, ranting over the 30-minute mark, so props to me for that. Uh, you folks have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Maybe I'll do a podcast tomorrow since I never got to the meat of what I actually... That was supposed to be like a five-minute thing. But you know how I do. Have yourselves a good weekend. I'll talk to you later. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs>